Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars, to The Office, to cosplay, to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. On this week's show, we're going to be talking about the actor Bruce Campbell, so this will be a lot of fun. But before we get into all things Bruce Campbell, let's go around the room and have everybody introduce themselves and tell, tell me one thing in pop culture that you're excited about right now. Start with you, Carla. Hi, I'm Carla Temis, and this week I'm very excited about the show Community because I just started watching it a couple of weeks ago, and I've been kind of binging my way through it, as one does. Um, and I have nothing in my mind now but the theme song and trying out it in the morning it's just going through my head constantly and i'm not even mad at it <laughs> i have yet to watch a sing i think i've watched one episode of that show back when it first came on so that's one well i i hate a lot of the characters and yet i'm still <laughs> watching it so if there's one thing i can say about it is that it's very watchable despite the fact that some of the characters will make you want to throw things at your screen <laughs> Oh, and also Joel McHale without a shirt on. I can dig it. Oh, really? Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. It's good content. He, quality. He will all, quality he content. Will, he'll always be talk soup to me. <laughs> me too. Like, I, I, I watched this, and I've been watching, I'm in the fifth season now, and I'm like, talk soup. It's just talking and being hot, and his haircut looks nice now. <laughs> That's funny. Do you watch that show, Tanya, or did you watch that I show? Do. Yeah, I did. Um, so I'll, man, I could, we could, we're gonna have to do an episode about Joel McHale and stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I, I can totally connect Joel McHale to Bruce Campbell in like one step, and that's Joel McHale <laughs> is a fan of Battlestar Galactica, so he had Trisha Helfer on Community, and that's she's funny. also on notice, and so is Bruce Campbell. Boom. So Boom. Um, there we go. <laughs> But let me back up. Um, I'm Tanya. I, <laughs> I don't know. I am an academic and I teach and I research fandom. And what am I enjoying? We've been, we, we did go through a community binge. The family did. Um, I have seen it before. And then we were watching um, Psych again, which is really kind of oh, fun Psych. right now. Yeah, I've seen it at least a couple of times all the way through. Um, so Psych, I think, is one we were watching. And, of course, Avatar The Last Airbender, which I've talked about before. But they just added that to Netflix. So a lot of people are watching it um, for the first time. And it's it's kind of interesting for me because I'm, you know, in my mid-40s and I'm not – I didn't see it. I didn't grow up with it. I didn't see it until my kids were kind of that age. So it's, it's interesting. But I still love it. It's definitely in my top ten shows. Even as an it's adult. one of those, like, for any age kind of shows. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you guys are mentioning all these shows that I have never watched. Well, I, tried, <laughs> I did try to watch Psych, like, years ago, and I couldn't get into it, so I might have to revisit it at some point. But, yeah, it's funny, because you guys are mentioning all these. I'm like, nope, never watched that, never watched that, never watched that. <laughs> but we will have to do an episode on, on a bunch, on all those things, really. So I'll have to add that to my my ever-growing over 200 list of future episodes. (laughs) And um, I'm going to name several things. I'm going to break my rule here. I'm going to start off with one that um, 
I just got a notification on my phone about that the movie Ready or Not is, I guess, available right now on HBO. And if you have HBO and you have not seen Ready or Not, I highly, highly recommend that one. Um, it's very much, it's not really a horror movie. I mean, it's very graphic, a lot of violence, lots of gore. But it's really kind of funny and clever, and I kind of think of it as like Clue in a way. Um, and it's all about a woman who marries into this family that this family that you know they basically make games, they make board games and other kind of games. And every time a new member joins the family, they play a game on their wedding night. And they ch- and whenever they choose hide and seek, this is not really a big spoiler, guys. This is given away pretty much in the beginning. Whenever hide and seek gets drawn, then they basically hunt down the new bride or spouse, whoever it is, and uh, try to kill them. Kill them. So, yeah. That sounds healthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. It's, it's really good. It's a lot of fun. And Samara Weaving plays the bride who's joining this family and, you know getting hunted and it's just it's it's a lot of fun and and I love her in it and I love seeing women being strong and it's very much it's kind of like a final girl but yeah so I I highly recommend that one so I guess you guys haven't seen it then no No, and it's so funny I was thinking about this for the last couple days despite being a pretty big Bruce Campbell fan I do not like horror I'm not a horror oh really you know what exactly me too I think it's. I think it's more stuff with Bruce Campbell in it than horror stuff that happens to have Bruce Campbell. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, that's that's so. very interesting because I'm a huge, <laughs> huge horror fan. So. And I, I'm glad you are because I think that's important here, and so I think we'll get into that. But I'll I'll kind of yeah. share my two cents about it when we get there okay. um, about why why I can't watch some stuff with him in it. <laughs> <laughs> I I understand. And then uh, the other two things I'm going to mention because uh, Pride Month is coming along and I think these two fit that. There's a new Netflix movie um, that is called The Half of It and it's kind of a take on Serena de Bergerac's story uh, with a woman playing the the character who, you know, writes everything and, um, you know, tries to woo the girl for this guy. And it's just a really good coming of age story. And what I like it is what I like most about it is that it's focused a lot on this friendship between this girl and this guy. And you don't often see that. Um, And it's also very much about her coming out and dealing with that. And it's great to see a story like that centered around a woman who's a person of color and, you know, and not just a white girl like it so often is. So I don't know if you guys have seen that, but that's really good. And it's on Netflix. And I would definitely watch it again. Like, I'll probably watch it when we're done with this. <laughs> I really, I loved it that much. And then the other thing I'm going to recommend, and I've recommended it before, and we did a whole podcast about Elton John, is Rocket Man. Is now is now available on both Hulu and Amazon Prime. So if you missed it in the theaters and you don't want to rent it and you have those services already, I highly recommend that one. So great. Okay. So now let's dive into Bruce Campbell. Uh, First, I just want to go around and just ask everybody, how did you discover Bruce Campbell? Um, Who got you into them? Or was it just a film or television show? Start with you, Carla. Okay. One of my oldest friends, this guy, Bill, he and I used to hang out like a ton And um, 
he has like a very particular taste in movies sometimes it's it runs from like the cheesy to ultra cheesy mm-hmm. is uh pretty much his, how i describe his uh his spectrum of favorite movies and he kept talking about the evil dead and i was like uh-huh uh-huh whatever again not interested in horror and you know it just didn't sound like the high concept kind of movie that i would have been into like a night of the roxbury <laughs> And so he's, he's like, just, just give it a chance. It's really great. It's hilarious. You'll love it. I was like, all right, cool. So we watched it and I just fell in love with it. And I, from there, just fell in love with Bruce Campbell because not only because he's super cute, which especially in those, uh, um, in Army of Darkness, where he's like at his prime hotness level, I think, other than Briscoe County Jr., which also does it for me, but we don't, we're not here to talk about that really. Um, <laughs> But I just, I fell in love with him and I just really came to appreciate those kinds of movies that are done more with heart than with acting or budget. (laughs) I guess is how I can put that. That's awesome. Like the concept is there. The love is there. The rest, not so much, but that's okay. Because it still comes across like that, that joy for filmmaking, which is for me like a good percent of why I enjoy movies in the first place. If it, it looks like, like a strained kind of thing, if it looks like pain by numbers, then I'm less likely to enjoy a movie no matter how much people tell me that it's, you know, like award worthy. I don't care. I want to see people enjoying the craft more than anything else. And the Evil Dead series really, 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 really hits those notes. Yeah. And And you, Tanya, how did you yeah before i answer i have one question for carla and that is what is love (laughs) baby don't hurt me (laughs) don't hurt me no more (laughs) now y'all have that in your head you're welcome um (laughs) yeah my journey to bruce campbell our geek master uh bruce campbell it's really weird because i know i i think the first thing i was thinking about this um since you sent out the topic list and Pretty sure the first thing I remember him seeing in uh, seeing him in is Army of Darkness. So I believe I saw that first before I saw other um, Evil Dead or anything else. And I know that that was one of the movies um, my husband and I went to, and we were high school sweethearts. So we went to this really weird movie, and I I don't know how whose idea it was to go to that. I think it was mine because I'm the bigger geek actually. But we had I had no idea what the hell was going on in this movie because. You know, it just, if you haven't seen the other ones, you're like, what? Um, I think I had seen Briscoe County. I don't know if that came out before or after Army of Darkness. I feel like it came, like, on the heels of that. Am I right, maybe? I think yeah, it I think so. a little bit before, but yeah, it was right around okay. the same kind of time. It was, know. yeah, and that... I think it was both 92. Okay, I know I had seen that as well and, and really enjoyed it. Um, but then it was, I think it was later, um, Burn Notice, I had watched two or three seasons of it before I even connected that that was Bruce Campbell for some reason. Like it didn't, it just, I just didn't pay attention to who was in it. I was like, this guy's really, really familiar. And I finally figured it out. And then I went into my big OCD nerd level and like found everything he'd done. Right. And just went, went one at a time through it. And that's when I saw <laughs> Jack of all trades and. Uh, went and watched rewatched the Xena episodes he was in and, and all of that. 
So I kind of have a weird um, history, but it's it's actually really meaningful to me. And I'm going to get a little serious because um, when I was going through that really deep uh, binge uh, with his kind of collected works was when my husband was really sick with H1N1 and he was in a coma. Um, you know how now we're hearing about all the people in the ventilators. I know intimately what that is like because we lived it. Um, in 2009. And so he was very ill. And of course, I couldn't be at the hospital 24 hours a day because we had three kids. So at night, I would go watch whatever I had gotten from Netflix that had Bruce Campbell in it. And that was like my self care, my stress relief, like I could laugh, it was stupid. I didn't, you know, not that he's not that I don't like the work, but it wasn't, I couldn't handle watching anything emotionally difficult or serious or about illness and so just something with that level of slapstick that's all I could really handle at that time um yeah so it was a long answer but there you go no but it's a good answer <laughs> a good answer yeah that's that's I love when stuff can help you get through things stuff you might not naturally think of um so that's that's really amazing so it makes me think of a line from um from the movie, uh, like the, the Bruce Campbell movie, where one kid calls him Mr. Campbell. And he says, um, Mr. Campbell makes soup. And he's kind of like chicken soup for your soul. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that, that yeah. And I discovered him one time. I was up, my friends and I, we used to, do these up all night things where we would just stay up really late and we would stay up until the sun rose and then we'd make breakfast and stuff. (laughs) This was when we were in like middle school and high school too, but mainly middle school. And that was evil dead two was one of the movies that was on and we just decided to watch it. And it was so absolutely ridiculous, but it was also there was so much heart, like you said, Carla, and you could tell they just really loved what they were doing. So I didn't see the original The Evil Dead until later on. But, yeah, I just kind of fell in love with it because it was just so much fun. And I was a horror fan. And to me, it was kind of not poking fun at horror at all, but it was um, taking a lot of the elements of horror and adding some comedic twists to it. Um, and I know the original, the evil dead, and we'll get into this a little bit when we talk about the actual series, I think is actually a lot scarier than the other two. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, and to me, evil dead two is pretty much like almost a remake of the mm-hmm. evil dead. You know, it really is. Um, but it doesn't have as much of those horrific elements to it. I don't find it very scary. Um, but it's just a lot of fun. And I just, and I loved Bruce Campbell because he was just such this everyman, yet he wasn't. And he was like trying to be so cool and suave and he really wasn't. And it was just cool to see that in a lead character in a horror film. Um, And that's what made me sort of fall in love with him. And, And then I just, later on, what I really have loved about him is his writing his books Mm -hmm. because he's just so clever and you know he never thought of becoming a b-movie actor that wasn't what he set out to do he set out to be a serious quote-unquote serious actor so it's just interesting reading those those his books and his take on things and he's just so clever and witty and 
you know, all the things that I wish I could be all the time <laughs> is part of it. But he is also like chicken soup for the soul. Like he just makes you feel better. He can make a bad day better. Um, he embraces, you know, he embraces his notoriety. He embraces what has happened to him. He embraces being a geek and being a nerd and being, you know, different and weird and everything. And that just makes him so accessible. And I think for anyone who felt weird or different or out of place um, in the world, he was someone that was fun to watch because he was a handsome guy, but he wasn't, you know, quote unquote, like a movie star kind of thing. You know, he was somebody that you felt like you could go when you get older, grab a beer with or something like that, you know? Right. So that's what I like about him so much. So, and of course what he is really best known for is Ash Williams and playing that in the evil dead series. So let's go around and talk about our thoughts on that. Maybe let me know what your favorite are of the series maybe ranking them if you want to and before we do that though quickly i'm just going to say i've been doing bruce campbell polls and when i did this one it really kind of surprised me <laughs> because i thought evil dead 2 would win i honestly did but it was really a tie because i had one on facebook and one on twitter on facebook army of darkness definitely won and then on twitter it was the original the evil dead so it was, which really surprised me. I honestly thought it would go a different way. So Carla, what are your thoughts on the Evil Dead series as a whole? And what's your favorite one? And I have so much love for the Evil Dead series. And it's really hard to pick one over the other because the movies, I mean, obviously they're about the same thing, but they're so different. They have such huge differences among them that it's, it's, it's just kind of hard to do that. Um, I had, I, I rewatched all of them. I, I think I'm going to go with Evil Dead, the original one, just because it's the, like, the most straightforward one of the three. Um, it's not like the best reason to, <laughs> to choose one. It's just like the one that I'm going with for now. Because, okay, Evil Dead 2 was like the Evil Dead, but with a lot of Three Stooges influences. And Army of Darkness <laughs> was the Evil Dead 2, but with even more Three Stooges influences and better stunts. So, yeah. you know, I, I, they, they, they tie in together, but they don't. Evil Dead 2 is just basically a remake of Evil Dead 1, but with a better budget and slightly better acting. Army of Darkness takes it to a whole new level. And I'm not really a big fan of like the medieval kind of themed movies. So, but it does have Bruce Campbell's better acting and like really great stunts in it. So much blood, <laughs> way more yeah. people in it. And like so, some of the, like the more classic lines, I guess, of, of uh, the Bruce Campbell oeuvre in general. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, it's just, you know, um, the first Evil Dead, which I know that they had, like, it was a, a really tortured process for them to make. Um, very drawn out, like, they kept running out of money, so they just, just picked back up again. Um, and it, you can definitely tell, mm -hmm. but it still comes across as a really cohesive work that is uh, lovable, even though you're laughing most of the time that you're supposed to be scared. Yeah. 
and you see baby Bruce like with his like little baby face <laughs> and and his terrible acting in that very in the very first film and uh like his hair's all kind of weird in the beginning and then they realize that maybe they realize maybe it just happened that like when it, it gets pushed back he looks better i don't know but it worked <laughs> yeah yeah and and you tanya Ah, yeah, this is a really difficult question. I think I'm going to have to pick um, Evil Dead 2, even though I think on your Facebook poll I voted Army of Darkness. <laughs> I, was, I was just like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to contradict myself. Deal with it. <laughs> you're, a yeah. complex, you're a complex woman. Yes, I am complicated. I have layers, like an onion and like ogres. Um, anyway, <laughs> this is a Shrek reference. Um <laughs> So yeah, I'm gonna pick Evil Dead too because I really think that when I, I I know I had seen that I want I know I saw the original I cannot remember which one I saw first but I did drag my husband when he when he got better to like a midnight theater showing three hours away to go oh see God. Evil Dead screened yeah this poor guy wow. like we're gonna go see this and he's like this movie's terrible I'm like no it's good see they're doing this they're doing this and I'm nerding deep nerd out on it and he's like whatever I just want to go to bed um so um I'm gonna say two because I really feel like that one was the most creative and I like the idea of taking something that you already created and like remixing it or redoing it it's almost like a fan work like a fan fiction you know of your own work where you're going all right I'm gonna take this wonderful song and then someone else is going to cover it or they're going to do it in a new way. And that genre, as far as I know, may have sort of existed a little bit in like drive-in B-movies um, prior to that time. But I feel like that film, Evil Dead 2, really um, created an entire genre that we see now. Like with you think about the Edgar Wright movies, Shaun of the Dead and um, uh, Hot Fuzz and all of those, those wouldn't exist without Evil Dead 2. Uh, for sure. And you can even see all the the different directing and camera techniques that Raimi kind of, I don't know about invented, but pioneered because they didn't have any money. Um, you can see that now in all kinds of different shows if you know sort of what you're looking for and Xena and various different different shows and even outside of that genre. So I think that's, and I've seen it on Supernatural. It's kind of interesting when they'll sort of, they'll sort of appropriate Sam Raimi stuff so I, I i'm gonna say that i feel like army of darkness is great because that brought it much more mainstream i feel like that was a kind of almost like a crossover and if you remember that time in the 90s the medieval stuff was a was a big deal you had that huge, huge robin hood movie that was awful but had a huge budget and morgan freeman for some reason was in it and <laughs> you had a, a nice tale yeah you had a yeah. lot of, um you know like TV shows that were sort of in that genre. So I think that's probably why they chose that, that particular setting for that film. Um, yeah. And if I, in high school too, we were, we were rediscovering that would have been high school for me, like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So for me that like fit with that whole, that whole sort of um, zeitgeist, I'm going to be obnoxious and use that word of re kind of that parody slacker sort of, I'm going to make fun of all your stuff, you know, thing. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for me, it's definitely Evil Dead 2, hands down. 
Uh, I will admit, I actually was not a fan of the original The Evil Dead for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I saw Evil Dead 2 first, and I loved the added humor. And I thought with The Evil Dead, that wasn't there. And I had a real problem with some of the stuff like, it, you know, and I'm a fan of horror, but for some reason, it really bothered me the whole tree raping scene that was really disturbing and mm, yeah yeah so that was hard to kind of digest I think I think if I had seen the evil dead first I might have felt differently about it my feelings on it have changed since then but when it when I originally viewed it I was like not a fan I was like nope I'm gonna ignore that one um but but Evil Dead 2 is still my favorite because of that, because of the first one. Um, I just thought it was so much fun, so unique. It, um, it, it was like they were kind of just like, we're just going to go balls to the wall, have as much fun as we possibly want to. And it do, did create a whole new genre. You wouldn't have, I mean, even the movie that I mentioned at the beginning, Ready or Not, you probably wouldn't have that movie without Evil Dead 2. Uh, so it's, you know, it's it's really spawned a lot of people just embracing doing horror that way. Um, and it's not like it was the first one that added any kind of comedy to horror. It's not like the first B-horror movie necessarily, but it's just, it's like the, it's the Cadillac of B-horror movies is kind of the way I put it. Um, it's the one that everybody wants to live up to. And I think B-horror is a really good thing. I want to do a whole episode just about that because uh, there's so many of them that are just so beautiful and wonderful and so much fun to have, so much fun to watch. And you can tell that people had fun making them. Um, And with this one, with Evil Dead 2, I just want to throw out a couple of little trivia things that I'm looking at on IMDb that I think are just interesting. Uh, One is that um, Stephen King is a big reason that Evil Dead 2 even happened because he was a huge fan of the Evil Dead. And so he convinced Dino De Laurentiis um, over dinner that he that their production company should finance Evil Dead 2. So I just think that's interesting that you wouldn't probably even have Evil Dead 2 maybe if that hadn't happened. Um, and Evil Dead 2, if you didn't know, uh, they tried to avoid an X rating by doing different colors of blood. So that's why you'll see the different colors of blood, <laughs> which are just so ridiculous. Uh, but the MPAA gave it an X rating anyway. So it was X rated, but the film was released unrated, um, which is how they kind of got away with that, with, you know, not having the X ratings left on there because that, you know, could be the kiss of death for a lot of films. Um, and as far as for the remake thing, which what's really interesting is everybody considers it a remake, but they don't really necessarily consider it a remake um, because they actually they didn't have the rights to show scenes from the original. <laughs> so they had to shoot that whole thing that in the beginning that was remade to explain how Ash got to the cabin. So that's why because they had to reshoot it because they couldn't use, you know, they didn't have rights to. But I like the fact that we all sort of consider it to be a remake because I think in a lot of ways it is and then another little thing for me when I was watching it when I remember when I first watched it I'm a huge soap fan and one of the characters on there played by Cassie um I'm gonna mispronounce her name she uh was on one life to live that's what she's most known for so I remember when I first saw it I went oh my god that's (laughs) that's the girl from one life to live Cassie uh Bobby Joe Oh my gosh! Okay, 
Yeah. So she's because when I was watching it, I was like, wow, she's actually a decent actor. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she played one of my least favorite characters. <laughs> which is really funny but but i know she's even like really proud of evil dead 2 and being a part of that because i mean come on you have to be yeah i mean you know that's a huge deal um and then i I loved army of darkness i did i don't think of army of darkness as a horror movie at all um i think of that more as fantasy um you could even maybe say sci-fi but more fantasy film i don't consider it to be horror i mean i know there's blood but i just still don't consider it in the same kind of um genre that's just me i don't know um i don't know if other people out there feel that way but that's just kind of the way i view it but i do love that and that would be my second favorite honestly um out of the three so yeah, i, I mm-hmm. no go ahead I just no, had go, ahead. But, go ahead oh i just shout out for ted Raimi, who is the monster in a yes. lot of those and is joxer from xena a uh, fantastically talented person, you know, but just um, what an amazing physical, like, you know, now they're sort of praising Doug Jones, right? And the, who was the, the water, uh, what's the one with the water where the lady sleeps with the fish guy? No. Oh, yeah. oh uh, the shape yes. Of water. The shape of okay. Water. Right. That's all I know about it is like fish <laughs> porn. Um, I, I've never seen it, but anyway, I know it's Doug Jones. And I'll watch it at some point, I promise. But they're, they're kind of praising and sort of talking about creating new categories of acting awards for people like Andy Serkis, Serkis and Doug Jones. And I'm like, you know, Ted Raimi was doing all of that. It's, it's really impressive, like some of that physical. And it, I remember reading one of Bruce Campbell's books, um, and that was really hard. Like they were just, you know getting ill from the prosthesis and buying all of the corn syrup in whatever small town they were filming <laughs> and all of the red dye they could find. I remember reading that and just laughing. So. Yeah. And yeah. I had the biggest crush on Ted Raimi growing up. Like oh, I was really? like, Oh, he's so cute. I did. Yeah. Like I, I would, I would watch Zena for him. Cause I was like, <laughs> Oh, he's such a cutie. That's You've got to be the only person who watched Zena and didn't hate Joxer other than me. Like Joxer. <laughs> He's very divisive in the fandom. Like, I, I appreciate him, I but, him. you know, a lot of people are like, I can understand that, but still, yeah. he was so cute. I just couldn't <laughs> handle it. He's got the sad sack thing down, for sure. Yes. <laughs> That's how I like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Easy pickings. <laughs> but that's what's so, that's what's so great about the, the Evil Dead series, and especially the Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, is it was so much about just doing it for the love of making movies, for yeah. the love of, of the craft, you know, for having fun, for putting something out there, for the love of the genre as well. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't about money. It wasn't about fame. It, you know, and I mean, yeah, of course they want to be successful. I mean, come on. But that wasn't what it was about. It was all for the, the love of making these movies. And it shows. I mean, you can say they're bad. You can say the acting is bad, the special effects, all of that. But the fact that they gave everything to it and they knew it wasn't maybe top level, um, it wasn't going to, you know, you know, take any notice. It wasn't going to necessarily make any changes as far as special effects go, maybe. Um, although I think it did. But you know, they weren't thinking that way. 
And it didn't matter, though. They were like, we're going to make this because we want to make this. And it shows. And I think that's why they're so great. And I think that's that's what's so beautiful about horror in general, I will say, is that horror is very cheap to make, usually. That's usually why you, you know, will have a better shot of maybe getting into that genre. Sometimes I'm not saying it's a definite. I'm just saying because it's it's cheaper to make them and they usually will return a high profit. You know, I mean, look at look at Blumhouse. You know, he has a cap like he won't make movies that cost over a certain amount of money. Jason Bloom. I can't remember what the cap is now. Um, And even though there are issues with him, but still, you know, I mean, he's. I mean, you know, that's the thing is they know they can get maximum profit and they don't have to spend the same amount of money. And horror is basically like we are going to do everything we want to do and we're going to throw everything at the wall. And you can do stuff that you might not be able to do in a drama that you wouldn't be able to do in a comedy. Um, And that's what I appreciate about it. You can also put in I'm not saying that Evil Dead necessarily does this. Although I would say the remake tries to do this, but you can put, you can put in, you know, political messages. They're very, horror is very known for doing that, you know, Um, stuff that people didn't really, you know, talk about. You look at Night of the Living Dead um, and how so much of that was um, about race at the time. And, um, you know, it was, and having a black man be a hero and then what ultimately happens to him in the end of that, which is so devastating and tragic but so accurate to the way uh people view people of color especially black men was so revolutionary at that time i mean that was that was incredible so i'm going off on a horror tangent but i just want to say that because i just that's why i love horror so much is it pushes the envelope it says something when it wants to say something it does what it wants to do um it's very much that I don't want to say necessarily middle finger to everything quote unquote normal, but it's, it kind of is in a way, you know, it's, it's like this, you know, we're going to do what we're going to do. We're going to create the art we want to create. Uh, We're going to cause a reaction. We want to get a reaction. We want to get people scared. We want to get people's adrenaline pumping. Um, We want to make people think sometimes. So I think that's what's so beautiful about horror. So I just wanted to add that in there. So my little horror tangent. And I, you know, I'll I'll add two cents on the, and not to take up too much time here, but on the comedy and the sort of camp part of it, right? Like I actually, you know, we talk about how it's not the best production and it's not necessarily the best acting and whatnot, but it's, I think it takes a lot of um, guts, you know, uh, balls, I guess. I don't know to like, to go there fully because that's not easy. Like to sell that, like that comedic acting, that slapstick, that is not an easy thing to to accomplish. And I think you have to sort of, I feel, I don't feel um, pandered to or dumbed down to when I watch that, when it's done well, because I feel like the the, uh, performers and the creators are trusting me to get that they're winking at me. It's a tongue in cheek and it's very, Mm -hmm. to me, I find that, you know, I like goofy stuff, but to me, that's more sophisticated than um, other kinds of humor because it's not necessarily um, punching down. It's like punching yourself. Right. You, know, you are you are the object of um, ridicule. You're both the schlemiel and the schlemizel or whatever, however they say that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mel Brooks-ish kind of stuff for me. Mm-hmm. I think that takes a lot to do it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. 
agree. Um, and I just want to really quickly just ask, have you both seen the remake of Evil Dead? No. Okay. I Did didn't... you see it, Tanya? Oh, sorry. I... sorry. Oh. Yeah, no, that's okay. I... So the, the film or the TV show? The film that doesn't have Bruce Campbell in it. No, that I have not seen. No. And I'm sorry, Carla, were you going to say something else about it? I'm sorry. No, just the, the only thing of that film that I've watched is like those last couple of seconds when he shows up and it's just his profile. And he says, groovy. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I care about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very, um, you know, a, it was raved about. A lot of people actually really liked it and thought it was a really good remake. I never want to watch it again. So I just want to put, I mean, I think it's very dark, very dark. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, that's, that's what kind of, I guess it's more akin to the first, the evil dead. Um, And it's definitely got more of a final girl in it. It's um, you know, Jane Levy plays basically the final girl in it. Um, Yeah. But I just wasn't, wasn't a big fan of it to be, quite honest um it was very hard to watch i found it very disturbing and i like disturbing but it just i think it bothered me because i associated with evil dead you know since it's evil dead so i was like i need some levity in here and there wasn't really too much in there that was like that so yeah i just wanted to see if anyone else had seen it um that's very much a horror movie very straightforward horror uh with lots of gore okay so let's get into the creator of Evil Dead series and someone that Bruce Campbell has a very good relationship with and the brother to Ted, uh, Sam Raimi. So what are your thoughts on that relationship, Carla? Well, Sam Raimi or the other Raimi, as I like to call him, <laughs> the, the not Ted Raimi, if you will. Um, I, I think he, he's, uh, I, I think that the relationship is very interesting and I think it's wonderful to have uh, such a long-standing relationship between two guys who just love the same stuff, who have been working together on and off for decades. Um, they, you know, they went to high school together. They started um, doing Super 8 movies with their friends. They eventually decided, hey, let's do, you know, let, let's give this a shot and and really pursue filmmaking. And uh, so they started working together, collaborating um, and I, I started reading some interviews with the two of them about their relationship and just about um, their work together in general. And it was really interesting that a lot of the interviews revolved around how much Sam Raimi loves to kind of torture Bruce Campbell mm-hmm. and that he puts him in these really uncomfortable situations. And like he will literally sit there and poke him with a stick to get the reaction that he wants. <laughs> and the fact that Bruce Campbell's like, okay, let's do this. You know, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know that I would have that kind of relationship with my friends, but it's very interesting that they do. And I mean, certainly their work speaks for itself. It's, it's very um, fun. And Bruce Campbell, I mean, he has to have a lot of trust in Sam Raimi to put himself in his hands repeatedly mm-hmm. <laughs> over the course of decades and not be like, you know what, man, I am out. Like, this is just one step too far. Um, but, uh, you know, and of course, Sam Raimi famously, you know, he gets like his shot at a big tentpole movie, which was Spider-Man. And he puts Bruce Campbell in it. And, you know, in every movie that in all three of his Spider-Man movies, 
Bruce Campbell had, it, it, for me, it was a, a scene stealing cameo in each one. Um, I think probably my favorite one is when he's the usher in mm-hmm. yeah. Spider-Man 2. And, uh, and Peter Parker is like trying to get into the theater and, and uh, Bruce Campbell's kind of like being snooty about it. But it, okay, so I'm going off on this tension about why I love his cameos and that, but that's not why I'm here. I am here right now to talk about Sam Raimi and his relationship <laughs> with Bruce Campbell, which is that it is fantastic and weird and maybe not something that I would want for myself because I think I would want my friends to be a little bit less tortury to me, but that's just a personal mm-hmm. preference. Um, but I do think it's great that he brings his friend along for the ride on these bigger things that they support each other so completely and that they work so well together and with so much trust between them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Tanya. Yeah. I think that they, they certainly have a dynamic and to me, it, it's like siblings, right? You know, it's um, exactly. someone that you've known forever. You're so close with, but yeah, I had, I had read that, that he likes <laughs> Sam Raimi. I think he's, brilliant um but apparently he's kind of an asshole um, as a director <laughs> and I mean I for me that's really interesting because just for years seeing the finished product I think getting into this and reading about Evil Dead and what I was talking about that period of my life where I was starting to read more about the behind the scenes stuff that may have been one of the first times I'd really thought about that in more detail um and kind of having that that window you realize like how different that that is um from what you end up seeing right um, and his brother as well. So it was, if I remember right, it's like Rob Tappert, who's quite involved with Xena and uh, showrunner creator for that for a while. And then um, Bruce and Sam Raimi were all buddies. And Ted Raimi, the younger brother, was sort of always hanging around, like trying to be involved with whatever they were doing. And I read that Bruce Campbell was even a babysitter to Ted at one point because he's just younger enough, you know, which is kind of funny. But I remember watching when when he got Spider-Man, I, I knew who he was and I was so excited. And it was really great to watch that, knowing you were going to probably see these signatures, you know, like an artist would have a specific style, right? Directors have that too. So I really enjoyed that. I have some issues with those Spider-Man films, but I thought at the time they still actually hold up pretty well. I have mostly gender issues with them, but that's, that's a different <laughs> a different podcast, um, but there's a scene in, I want to say it's Spider-Man 2, and I promise this is about Sam Raimi, so bear with me, <laughs> Spider-Man 2, where um, Tobey Maguire has decided he will stop being Spider-Man, and he's going to go to his college, and he's going to work hard, and he's not going to run off, and he's going to get MJ by being, you know, like an average guy that she wants, I guess. Um, and he's like walking with his backpack across the campus and he drops his backpack and then somebody walks past him and smacks him in the head with a backpack. Like it's like students walking past. That was Sam Raimi. That was, <laughs> oh my God. that was the director like off him and you could, he kind of, he reacts and he's like, and, and he really hit him like, it's, and that wasn't, I don't think it was planned to go down quite that way, but I remember seeing that wow. like, okay. But yeah, that whole um, raindrops keep falling on my head is the song that's playing in the in that sequence. And it really where they pause and they do the freeze frame like an after school special, you know, (laughs) just really fun. Like and I think whoever ends up editing for him, they do a really I don't remember who edits, but a lot of that is accomplished, I think, in the editing, too. Like there's got to be a partnership there. But 
Yeah, yeah because in in the especially in the first Spider-Man film where um you know Peter has his suit on and he's testing out the web shooter mm-hmm. like there's just this one spot where Peter extends his hand and it's just all you see in the frame is his hand and he just kind of goes up like a double shoot kind of thing and that is such a Sam Raimi shot mm-hmm. and that's definitely something that like in editing you would, they would have to focus on I, I suppose but it really is like a there has to be like a, a good relationship of understanding you know uh, and Sam Raimi putting out what he wants and the editor making that happen mm-hmm. yeah for sure I mean I'm guessing he's like watching over the shoulder he sounds a little like he's very <laughs> You know, yeah. involved in everything, even hitting the actors to make them do what they I didn't know that. And now now I'm thinking, like, you know, is Bruce Campbell okay? Do we need to go and, like, you know, form a support group for him and, and the other actors who have worked for Sam Raimi? Like, now I'm concerned. Like, is Ted okay? I think they're okay, but I know, I remember Bruce Campbell talking about, like, getting hurt while filming. Right. You know, they had oh, budget yeah. to, like, not do stunts themselves and some some bit about he needed stitches and, and yeah. he Something about, he told the doctor, okay, while you're in there, just, you know, give me a little bit of a facelift. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. All right. You know, but it was, that's what they did. And he was probably only 30 or whatever, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and directors can be known for sometimes being really difficult. (laughs) You know, they kind of, because film is a director's medium, Mm -hmm. you know, theater is an actor's medium film as a director's medium and the editor what you guys already brought up and i'll say this really quickly editing will make or break a performance an editor can make a performance look better an editor can also do the opposite if they want to but an editor is so key to a film Mm -hmm. a film lives or dies by the way it's editing frankly it's very essential and i'm sure most directors will be there to kind of oversee that um mm-hmm. but yeah an editor you know makes a huge difference in 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 the film now that we're saying that i feel like joel and ethan cohen had a connection there where they were editing for Raimi, or mm-hmm. you know the cohen brothers or something there's some connection there where where they they all were helping each other with different films and i don't always love the cohen brothers films but i always appreciate their editing it's always fantastic so i will say that yeah, but I know there's some connection there between to, yeah, those guys. I'll have to look that up because I haven't heard that before, honestly. Um, I promise well, I, I didn't pick it up. I don't <laughs> <laughs> No, I believe you. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi are very much like brothers and, you know, kind of like, I think there's probably some tension sometimes every once in a while, but they have a lot of love for each other. Uh, And you really, really can see that in, in when Bruce Campbell writes about him and talks about him um, is that there is that love there of like, you know, he's maybe he's that brother that pesters him or pushes him to the limit or, you know, gives him more than maybe he should sometimes. Um, but I think they, they work really well together, and I'm glad that Sam Raimi put him in so many of his other films. Um, there are, of course, ones where he didn't, but you kind of it's kind of like the car that shows up in all the Sam Raimi films, the car from Evil Dead that oh, shows yeah. up in all of them. It's kind of like that kind of relationship in a way. I don't, I'm not trying to make Bruce Campbell sound like a car, but it's that kind of thing of like you've got that old trusty vehicle, 
that trusty friend, that person that kind of maybe even a good luck charm. I don't know if that's really what it is, but you know, that, that person that's kind of, kind of reminds you of home, which in this yeah. case, it really would remind you of home. So it's that comfort yeah. uh, where they can really, you know, work together and, and um, feed off of each other and, you know, um, yeah, there's, yeah. I, okay, I got to nerd out one more time. Um, so there's like three hallmarks of, of Sam Raimi, a bottle of Maker's Mark, the Oldsmobile 88, the car, right? And Bruce Campbell, I think, or his yeah. brother. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he did a film called Dark Man. And I think that was yeah. actually one of his more getting into Hollywood. And I think he wanted Campbell for that part. And the studio wanted a different actor, oh, yeah. which is a bummer. So they went with Liam Neeson, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Terrible idea. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I mean, it would have been <laughs> would have been cool for him to be in that. But I, uh, Raimi also did this film called The Quick and the Dead, which is a western. I don't know if either of you have seen that. It had mm -hmm. Sharon Stone of all people. Yeah, in, and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's in that one too, right? It, yeah, and Gene Hackman, who's oh, always right. amazing, and um, Russell Crowe, like young, at the peak of his hotness. Russell Crowe. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and it was really, I rewatched it a couple of times, but I guess Bruce Campbell is in it. You would not yeah. recognize him. He's like a drunk who gets beat up for like two seconds. And he told, he said that somewhere in that film, he's pretty sure the car was like covered. The car is in it, but it's a Western. So there's not cars. So it's like covered with right. a tarp. <laughs> a funny story about that is that yeah. I think he, he just happened, Sam just happened to have Bruce over to the set that one day mm. and they needed like an extra person just to play the drunk so he goes on screen and, <laughs> and he and they didn't think that he, that, that, it was, that the scene was going to make the move uh, make it into the movie but they still did it mm -hmm. and of course what happens is that Bruce Campbell gets smacked around yep so <laughs> <laughs> you know typical Sam Raimi absolutely yeah <laughs> And you know the car even showed up um, in in the movie The Gift. Have you guys seen the movie The Gift? That movie mm, by Sam mm -hmm. Raimi. I love that movie. That movie is so good. Have you seen it that is. one, Tanya? I don't know. That that's not the one where they find the money, right? No, find, no. Oh, it's I don't think I have. No, it's with Kate Blanchett, and she plays a psychic, and um, it's Keanu Reeves in a very different kind of role. Yes. <laughs> okay. And Giovanni Ricci's in it too. Yeah. How scary is it? Because I it can't is, story. It's it's not no no no. It, it's not gory. Okay. At least in my recollection, it, no, it's, it's mostly just spooky and um, atmospherically spooky. Yeah, and it's like a thriller, yeah. and and Greg yeah. Kinnear is in it, and oh, yeah. Katie Holmes. Like and... this. This is, yeah, this is familiar. Okay. Yeah, so and good. and the car that Kate Blanchett drives is the is the car. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's a really really good movie so i yes. highly recommend that if anyone hasn't watched that one um that's one we're yeah yeah and sadly bruce campbell's not in that one unless i'm totally forgetting him in it but he played the staircase you didn't see it yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. um i did find out what the connection is <laughs> with joel um, and what it is, I'm just going to read this. It's from an article. Uh, let me credit the article before I read it. It's um, an article on Fandor um, by Philip Brubaker from 2017. And it says in there, um, 
Sam Raimi and the Coen brothers are known for very different films, but once upon a time they were collaborators. While Joe and e- Joel and Ethan Coen are multiple Oscar winners and critically lauded auteurs, they struggled to break into fi- filmmaking just like the horror-obsessed Raimi. Joel and Sam worked together on Raimi's no-budget masterwork, The Evil Dead, and it was there that Joel learned a cheap but effective cra- camera trick to raise the pulse of the audience, the shaky cam. So, I mean, mm. back to the very yeah. beginning is when they were... <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty... And- so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I knew they had they had some kind of, and I think they're still friends and sort of unofficially. I know Bruce Bruce was in Hudsucker Proxy, which is a Coen yeah. Brothers great film. Yes, which is, and he actually said his his most impressive co star was Jennifer Jason Lee because she came from that film. She came in and just knew, and they talk extremely fast because it's kind of a thirties forties mm-hmm. vibe. And she came in and had everything memorized, every line. Wow, just came in and he was like, oh wow, I better, you know, pull on my big boy pants and get ready here. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me about mm-hmm. her at all. Okay, great. Well, speaking of the Hudsucker Proxy, let's get into the other Bruce Campbell films that are not Evil Dead related. Um, although, of course, My Name is Bruce is one of them, and that's kind of Evil Dead related, kind yeah. of adjacent. Uh, but let's get into those and talk about ones we love. Uh, Carla, what are some of your favorite of the other Bruce Campbell movies? Well, in um, Hot Soccer Proxy, it's actually one of my favorite performances of his. Um, he doesn't have a huge role in it, but he's just fantastic. It's like it's one of those roles that's like perfectly suited to his style. Down from uh, from um, his voice, the way that he speaks already in most of his roles, just sped up. Mm-hmm. And his interactions with Jennifer Lacey Lee's character are just so perfect. Like everything that they do together in that movie, it's it you just kind of get lost in the magic of the cadence of them speaking. Um, and I, I I just I absolutely adore watching their scenes together in, in that movie, which I I love the movie um, so much anyway. Um, I I have to say I'm not a huge fan of My Name Is Bruce, but <laughs> I understand its appeal. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I I enjoy it just for the fact that, you know, he, he clearly doesn't take himself seriously, you know, like uh, the way some actors do. He he enjoys playing off his notoriety as a, as a B-list movie actor. And um, he embraces the, the fandom that has uh, brought him such attention and uh, the genres that have taken him there, which is why um, the movie works in its own way. It's it's a very cheesy movie. It's all it, it all starts out with um, these kids are uh, being picked off by these uh, basically deadites, like in in the Evil Dead movies. Mm-hmm. And somehow Bruce Campbell ends up getting uh, kind of recruited into helping them get rid of, of of these whatevers but the thing that I love the most about him in general is that he just often plays these reluctant heroes which I think I just have a thing for because I really enjoy reluctant heroes in any kind of uh, genre or whatever but he, he just does it so so well and he's just so enjoyable it's just enjoyable watching him in those roles but again, that, that's what makes 
him as Smitty in the Hatsuka Proxy is so interesting and refreshing is that it's completely different from those roles. And you can see a bit more of um, uh, what's the, the word? Uh, range in his acting. Where he's still, you know, it, it's still goofy. It's not anything big or flashy or showy. But it's it's solidly him. Or, you know, his his style. And just a lot of fun. And I know that I've only talked about two <laughs> of his many, of the many, many movies that he's been in, but those are the ones that I like the best. Um, but, okay, I, I spoke too soon because the one that I love the best with him in it is Baba Hotep. Yeah. That movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is an absolute gem. It is one of the greatest um, performances that he gives. It's probably his best performance. And like you said, Aaron, he is the best Elvis on film, yep. period. He really, he should have gotten more recognition from his peers mm-hmm. for that performance because it was so good. The whole movie, the um, the writing is excellent in it. You have him and Ozzy Davis Jr., which like, what? Mm-hmm. And Ozzy <laughs> Davis Jr. plays a man who thinks that he's JFK. Um Bruce Campbell plays a man who thinks that he's Elvis Presley. You don't know whether, you know, whether to really believe him or not, but they basically end up um, fighting evil uh, creatures that are taking the souls of their fellow nursing home residents. And they just do it with, with such panache for for these guys who are supposedly old and um, uh, past the peak of their physical what's it called Um, (laughs) prime I guess Mm -hmm. and you just you you fall in love with the characters you fall in love with with his performance in it and he's just so likable even though he's a curmudgeonly old man who is kind of grows and can't stop talking about this like massive growth on his on his penis um, not growth of growth on, yep. <laughs> but yeah, it it really it's a whole different character, and it simply because of of the fact that he's playing Elvis, because he's still you know chasing after some supernatural mm-hmm. kind of creature, but you can you can really see that the the step up from back in the beginning with the first Evil Dead movie where the acting was horrible, <laughs> but that was part of the charm, and now he's like you watch Baba Hotep and you're like, wow, he's, he's, he's actually really good. Like he could actually tackle the serious actor thing. It's mm-hmm. his acting has improved over time. And even so, I feel like he's one of those actors who would still have a following, even if he never improved kind of like Steven Seagal, but he, <laughs> he, he's, he's just, he's fantastic. And I'm going to stop talking now. No, that's awesome. I just, I'm just gonna try not to dunk on Sagal in my next comments. <laughs> just know that I've thought about it. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I guess I'll jump in. I would say, do we want to just talk movies right now or TV show roles? Just movies, and then we'll just movies. Yeah, I will be really fast and just say, like, I definitely I love the Spider-Man cameos, and that's not a lead role, but Bubba Hotep would be my. Yeah, answer to that. I've seen a handful of the other things, not not everyone he's done because it's it's probably a hundred movies or something like that. It's a it's a large 
number of elements. Um, so yeah, uh, Hudsucker Proxy too, of course. Those would be my big ones, but for all the reasons you said, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and I'll just echo the Bubba Hotep thing, um, and I rewatched it last night. And what I love about that movie is it's so different. It's so unique. I, I really think it's one of those that you can't think of another movie like that. Um, and it's also shines, it also shines such a light on the fact that when people get older, we stop seeing them, they stop existing, yes. you know, and that's very much what that movie is about mm-hmm. uh, underneath it all. I think that's what it's totally about is just the way we treat old people and the way we treat the elderly. And once they get to a certain age, we kind of, you know, we are condescending to them. You look at, at the nurse in Boba, Boba Hotep and she yeah. is very much like, you know, Oh, it's so cute that you think that you're Elvis and we got to do that thing that we got to do every night, you know, which is just, you know, just humiliate, humiliating, you know, it's like they stop being humans and we start treating them so much like children. It's like kind of, they just go into a, go into a big circle and you're no longer treated the same way. Um, and you know, I remember I took my mom's dog, this was a long time ago before my mom's dog, Ella passed away, or I'm sorry, it was actually Katie. I'm sorry about that. Um, before she passed away, I signed her up for one of those programs where you take a a dog to a nursing home and they go around and, you know, say hi to people and give them comfort. And Katie was like the perfect dog for that. And I just remember how lonely it felt in there, you know, and people were very lonely. And I remember one day this new woman coming in there and she's sitting on the bed and I'm in there with her and with Katie. And she's like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. It's Mm -hmm. so lonely here. And it's so weird. And I didn't know I was going to have a roommate and I didn't all this stuff. And so that's what I think is so beautiful about that film is it's centering old people, you know, it's centering the elderly, it's centering senior citizens. It's, you know, and it's making them the heroes, like the scene where the scene where, you know, Ossie Davis Jr.'s in his wheelchair and, and (laughs) Bruce Campbell has the cane because the hit, his hip broke and they're turning the corner and they're walking down. And it's such a, it's such a scene that you would see in any horror movie, any superhero movie where the heroes are, you know, getting ready to go do battle. And it's people that are not, you know, they're, they're not able body, you know, they're not, they're not, able to just you know use their bodies like they might have been able to when they were younger and it's so unique to see that and it's such a beautiful little moment you know i mean i think it's a deep movie it's not just right it's not just weird weird things that go bump in the night it's Mm -hmm. it's absolutely what you said it's absolutely uh centering people who are so often dismissed in society and when you were talking about their their hero walk you know, mm-hmm. as as it were, it wasn't done as a joke. It's not like yeah, exactly. this funny thing that you're supposed to laugh at. It's just mm-hmm. these two guys are going out there and being brave and taking down the bad guy. And mm-hmm. it just happens to be that that they have to use a wheelchair and, and a cane. Like, what's the big yeah. deal? They're still heroes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's not treated as a way to take pity on them or look down on right. them. And them, you know, like, like the fact that the other people are taking pity on them or ignoring them. And, and, and that's, what's so interesting is this, the, the monster in the film, the Baba Hotep is, you know, taking advantage of the fact that people 
are ignoring people once they get to a certain age. So they're, you know, this is ready prey for him. This is an easy target because people won't notice. You know, you even have the people that come and collect the bodies, the same guys that come and collect them each time that a person dies. And it's just, they're just kind of thought of as a, oh, another person has died. One of them kind of has emotions, but it's still... It's it's so it's such an interesting movie. And I'll say my mom, who is not a horror fan at all, she loves that movie. <laughs> I was talking to her last night and saying we were going to be recording this one. And she said, oh, that movie. What is it? Bubba. Oh. Bubba. And I'm like, yeah, Bubba Hotep. And she's like, yeah, that movie is so good. So it's yeah. it's definitely it one that that I recommend to everybody. Everybody should seek it out. So that's a really good yeah. one. My husband's also not a horror movie person. And he loves mm-hmm. Bubba Hotep. It's I think it just has everything for for everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. It really does. Okay, well, let's get into television then and just talk a little bit about um, the television series that he's been in, ones that maybe you like, because um, a, that's a huge, huge list as well. <laughs> so yeah. we'll just go around. And Carla, what are some of your favorite TV shows he's been in or TV roles? I'm not as familiar as I am with television with his television stuff as I am with his film stuff I I do mostly enjoy watching him just kind of appear in things um I loved him as what is it Autolycus mm-hmm. right. okay, thank you Woo, mm-hmm. yes. nailed it <laughs> um in Xena and in Hercules because he's such a scene stealer anyway mm-hmm. and he's just it, it, in this uh perfect vehicle for that where he's playing off of somebody else and uh, he plays a character who's kind of contemptible, but he is so charming as an actor that you just kind of end up going, oh, it's okay. You're still <laughs> really, really cute. Um, to the point where they had uh, finished his arc on Xena, and there was such fan clamor about him no longer appearing that they put him into Hercules, I think it was. That's how, it, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, he's just like so wonderful and lovable. And, um, you know, I know that, that they brought back the character of Ash Williams for um, uh, the evil, Ash versus the Evil Dead mm-hmm. series that was in Stars a while ago. And I, I, I wasn't as into it. And I think it's just where I was in my life. I was just a little busy <laughs> and didn't really have time to really sit down with it. But I would watch it on and off. And, you know, it, it was it was fun. And... Um, but I, I just really couldn't get into it. And I'm not, I'm not even sure why. Like, mm-hmm. I, I tried watching some of it um, before we recorded. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I can't really sink my teeth into it. And I think it's just, um, once it becomes a serialized thing, as opposed to one-off movies that you can just uh, digest and move on, it kind of lost its appeal to me, personally. Um uh, there's also, you know, Burn Notice. I wasn't a huge fan of Burn Notice, and it had nothing to do with Bruce Campbell. Like, I would try to watch it for Bruce Campbell. It's just that the lead actor, I, I wasn't a big fan of his. <laughs> so yeah. it really turned me off from, from watching it. And, and I know that they had, like, I think it was a a standalone movie for his character, Sam Axe, that I just never got around to watching, which I, I, I'm going to have to at some point. But um it was for me mostly fun watching it for the moments in which Bruce Campbell would shine. But other than that, it wasn't really something that, that I could really get into. Frisco County, the adventure of Frisco County Jr. Now, 
oh my gosh i would have loved to have watched it when it was actually airing and really paid attention to it, attention to it back then um it's a lot of fun it's kind of like i guess typical for his roles but it's also like a more grounded character for him which mm-hmm. is very interesting to to watch him do and also like peak hotness which we can't discount <laughs> because there's not really anything in which he's not super attractive but he was super attractive here that's enough of my lust though and um jack of all trades <laughs> jack of all trades was just a lot of fun it was it was definitely a show that that when i watched it i was like this isn't going anywhere it's not going to get picked up or anything but it was just still fun to watch yeah it's i'll jump in i yeah, i'm going to talk ahead. about i'm going to give you my agenda <laughs> Zena and Burn Notice, but I I do remember him. I think he was on Lois and Clark and Ellen. Yes, actually. yeah, Ellen. Yeah, he was on Ellen. Yeah. And so you know he's just done so much work. What a what a career. Um, but yeah, he Briscoe County Junior. If you haven't watched it, it is goofy, but it is so great. There is a scene in that. And I think again, I was watching this during that really tough time where I don't remember what what happens but briscoe bruce right goes into a bar and it's like the double doors and it's indoors and it's kind of a fancy room and his horse comes in after him because yeah. <laughs> the horse was fa- fabulous and he turns around and he just like what are you doing like just has a whole conversation with the horse <laughs> i told you to wait outside you know and it's just it's the funniest shit like that's i don't know stuff like that just when when an actor is super committed, but it's obviously absurd, you know, it just that there's so much of that in that uh, show. And it actually had some interesting diversity, I think, for the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, they didn't they knew they were being referential and not, you know, truly what the West was like. Right. So they they it was very much a kind of a parody. But that's a good one to look up. That's a fun one. Um, and then Xena, uh, as you know, I'm a big Xena fan, and so Autolycus, the Prince of Thieves, and I'm doing, you can't see it, but I'm doing a mustache flourish, as he would do. <laughs> um, and he, he got to do so much great uh, physical physical stuff in that role as well, because he, several points in Xena, um, somebody gets put in another person's body, or someone's possessed by something, you know, so he got to do, I think Xena is in his body at some point. And he's in her body. And then anyway, it's yeah, there's a scene, though, where he uh, as Xena, I think, kisses Gabrielle and he he was <laughs> Bruce was like, yeah, we better we better reshoot that scene. We better re, we, we got to do another take because he, he really did not mind kissing Renee O'Connor. Apparently, <laughs> so, that was pretty cute. I like that little backstory. But yeah, that was um they loved making that show. They really did. If you read about the behind the scenes and all the money and the industry that they really helped get going in New Zealand was pretty, pretty amazing. Um, okay. Burn notice. So I'm going to tell my Comic-Con story if that's cool about notice. Yeah. So I got, I got into burn notice right away. I don't know what about it. I liked, I, I was just rewatching it earlier, as you know, because I was almost late for this. And I will say there's a lot of, objectifying shots of women and I'm like ooh, I I ignored this and I don't that's not my favorite part of this you know show but it's it is kind of fun and and Bruce is definitely um it's it's one of those characters where you're like this guy's an asshole but I like him like he's 
really good at that. Kind of an That's asshole. Specialty. <laughs> yeah, you're going to you're going to enjoy this guy and he ends up having a heart of gold and is kind of a a down on his luck guy. Um but 2014 was the first year that I went to Denver Comic-Con, which it was still called at that point, and Bruce Campbell was like the big um headliner like for Comic-Con I think that year and I didn't know about photo ops, so I didn't get a photo op. I didn't know anything about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I was like, my son Dean was with me and I was like, we are, we're going to go see Bruce Campbell. I don't care how long we got to wait in line. We're getting in line. And we sat in line in a 95 degree room um, in full cosplay and sweated for like an hour to get in to see in one of the huge ballrooms. And we got in and he was just hilarious. He was an asshole. And it was like, but it was on purpose. It was not, and it wasn't too far. It was very like, it was a version of himself. And I, I knew right away and it cracked, it just cracked me up because he said, um, all right, I got some questions for you. He's, he's so, if you have a chance to go see him live at a panel or panel, I've seen it at him a couple of times and he's great. So he's like, I got questions for the audience. I got a dollar for the person who traveled the furthest. And so, you know, someone would ask him a question, he'd walk to the edge of the stage or walk off stage and give him a dollar, right? You know, (laughs) some some 10-year-old kid, you know, gets up all his courage and goes to the mic and is like, will you say this is my boomstick? You know, and is very cute and wants him to quote Evil Dead. And Bruce Campbell, no expression, goes, I could if I were your little monkey, turns around and walks away. Yeah, it's just, just, you know, totally, I think, I think he went over and talked to the kid later, but it was, uh, I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's amazing. Um, So at one point during this panel, he's like, all right, I'm going to have, we're going to do a contest. And I want, you know, at the beginning of Burn Notice, there's this voiceover of Michael Weston saying, I used to be a spy, I blah, 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 Burn Notice on you, you know, where he does the, the voiceover of what, what has happened on the show or the setup. So if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about, hopefully. And it's probably 30 seconds to a minute of dialogue. So he gets all these people up on stage, and they're going to try and see if they can, from memory, recite this voiceover um, opening. And the first couple people do pretty well, um, but there's this really excited guy, and he's in a hat and a big Duck Dynasty beard, like he's cosplaying (laughs) Duck Dynasty. And so... Bruce Campbell's like, all right, Duck Dynasty, let's go for it. And he hands him the mic. And the guy is like hesitating at first. And then he just launches into it perfect. And here it's Jeffrey Donovan. It's the actor. (laughs) And he takes off his hat. And and then everyone starts screaming because they know. But he came from the back of the room and nobody recognized him and rips his beard off. And and he he joined part of the panel. And it was great. Like, he was just... um, you know, I think the character is really serious, but as a person, uh, Jeffrey Donovan was just really charming and really gracious to Bruce. And but you could tell they had a genuine affection for each other. But I just thought that that was a really fun story. And it was really great memory of that panel, you know. So it was a pretty special, special panel. And it's a bummer he hasn't been able to come back or hasn't they haven't gotten him back. But that would be cool. Yeah, I'm very jealous of all the people who have met him because I, um, yesterday, but a couple of my friends were going back and forth talking about their Bruce Campbell stories and meeting him and stuff. And, and, you know, it sounds a lot like 
the way his panel was, and they were talking about how people would bring bags of sugar for him to sign. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And all this stuff. So it's and chainsaws, of course. Yes. All sorts of And all of the kids things. named Ash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was actually a story like a while back. I, I think it may have been even in his book. Yeah, it was in, in his first book. Um, if if Chin could kill where a kid comes to him and he's just like very sullen teenager and like kind of dumps a book in front of him. And he's like, okay, so who do I sign this out to? And, and he's like, Ash. And Bruce is just like, okay, sorry about that. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. That's, that's like, there's going to be a lot of kids named Sam and Dean and all yeah. that kind of stuff too. Yeah. It's the same I was on a plane. I was yeah. on a plane with uh, a family that had a little baby named Castiel. Oh wow! <laughs> so I can see a lot of Castiels in the future, like yeah. little Cast- little Senator Castiel. <laughs> I I can see Cast Castiel's little, and my Dean is sort of, but not really named for super is not named for Supernatural. But it's funny. I had a friend start watching Supernatural, and she's like, "I'm going to send you this message right now, so that there's a record. I have names for my kids that I picked out a long time ago. I don't have kids. I'm not having them for another <laughs> ten years." And the names are Sam and Dean. And I want to go on record to you saying it is not because of Supernatural. <laughs> I was like, all right, I guess I'll be your your witness. I don't know why that matters, but okay. <laughs> it was funny, yeah. No, he's, he's a riot in person. And I saw him at um, San Diego last summer. I caught that. Uh, I think I actually was there for most of the panel. The Ripley's, believe it or not, had a panel. And then, yeah, right after that was Winona Earp. So that's kind of mostly why I was there, to be honest. But it was cool <laughs> to see uh, Bruce Campbell um, hosting. He did a great job. Yeah, yeah, I would, uh, I would love to, love to meet him. He's on my list of like dream ones Me that I would too. love to meet. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. For we're, now, we're... if you if you want to get the experience of a Bruce Campbell panel, you can go on YouTube, which is what, what I spent my afternoon doing, just watching him <laughs> do panels on uh, on stage and just watching him kind of obliterate. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, um, oh, God, what's his name? I, why am I? Okay, Mark Shepard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the Supernatural convention panels when he's he has like this persona that yeah. he has for, for those things. And Bruce Campbell has one like that. And it's very similar in that you're kind of terrified to ask him a question (laughs) yeah Uh yeah 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 that's what I was thinking too I was thinking of Mark Shepard when when we started talking about that Tanya I said that's very much the way that Mark Shepard does his panels um yeah 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 yeah. and as far as television for me um I'm like you Carla I've watched more of his movies than I have his television stuff um I I did like Burn Notice but the one thing with Burn Notice, and this is true of a lot of shows that are on USA, is they've got this slick camera style and this slick way of doing things that sometimes can be kind of annoying. It can be a little bit too self-conscious. Um, I love the show White Collar, but White Collar did it all the time, too. Uh, that's another USA show. So they kind of had this slick, slick feeling to them. Um but I will say one of the other reasons I watched Burn Notice is because that had happened, that had come out about two years after Queer's Folk had ended. And Sharon Gless, who is amazing in Queer's Folk <laughs> um, as Deb, 
Deborah Novotny. Deb Novotny, everybody who knows queer as folk knows Deb um, and would want her as a mom or maybe would want her as a mom. <laughs> um, but she she is on burn notice, of course, different, totally different character than on queer as folk. But that was another reason I wanted to watch it because she's just, she mm-hmm. is a goddess. She is so incredible. So, um, but those were the two reasons I watched that show were Bruce Campbell and Sharon Glass. Cause, and Bruce Campbell is so good at playing that sleazy guy that really actually has that heart of gold, you know, underneath it all and is actually a good guy underneath it, underneath that sleaze. You know, just I was rewatching a couple episodes of Burn Notice and just one of the first scenes he has where he's just being a total ass to a waitress or another girl that walks by. And he's just, you know, trying to flirt with her and trying to get her to notice him. And she's just blowing him off. And he's just kind of a jerk and kind of that sleazeball guy you see at the bar um, is what it reminded me of. But. Yeah, he has a lot of fun in that. And then I think, you know, I think it was great to see him in shows like Ellen because he's not really doing the Bruce Campbell shtick too much in Ellen. I don't think so, at least. You know, I mean, I guess there's kind of that sleaziness vibe to it, but I think it's a little bit different. I don't know if people agree with that, but he's kind of it's kind of a different kind of character for him as far as on that show. So, yeah, but his TV credits are numerous so numerous and just his tv appearances on shows too um okay well let's get into a little bit of his books um and i know i've said that i'm a fan of his books so i'll just get everybody else's reaction to his books carla do you like the way he writes i do i i love it you know it's, it's very engaging it's easy to read because um he has such a um he has like this way of writing that is very compelling, very fun, doesn't really put on airs. And so it makes it all the more enjoyable. And um, I I was actually trying to reread um, Hail to the Chin, which, you know, if you're like me and you have a child during your self-sequestering COVID times, <laughs> you know, that it's not easy to get a moment to yourself. Uh, so I didn't make it very far in the book, but what I did get through was very enjoyable and very fun. But I, I, just, I love reading his behind the scenes little tidbits of, of you know, how much he suffered under <laughs> uh, the conditions that, that he was working in for uh, for our enjoyment. But uh, for, for especially the Evil Dead movies, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to read about those. Um, but I, I just, I love that he recognizes that he's a hero to nerds and goofballs and people who uh, just admire the bravado that his characters have, even when it's not particularly well-earned. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he seems to be the kind of actor who is not... Um, he, he doesn't look down on his fans. He doesn't he treats them like like he he cherishes he cherishes his fans is what i'm trying to get at he recognizes their role in his success but more than that he sees them as human beings who just enjoy the things that he does and he's grateful to them and i think that's wonderful um but uh oh what was it gonna i had a really good point and i of course, that's the one thing I didn't. I don't write down, but um, 
suffice, suffice it to say, I love his books. I've read them multiple times, especially if chins could could kill. Um, uh, Hail to the chin. Actually, again, I have to thank my friend Bill because he actually got me an autographed copy and I like uh, cherish it and love it. And it's a wonderful thing. He sent it to me as a surprise. And I was like, oh, my God, dude. Like, <laughs> oh, thank you, Bill. Um, but it, it, it's wonderful to have his words available to read. Because I think that's one of those things like when you when you fall in love with an actor's work and with their personality and then you get to read about their childhood and uh, their inner process and all of that in their own words. It's something so special. Um, and that that's probably my favorite thing about those books is just like that, that feeling of like having a conversation with Bruce Campbell, which I would absolutely love to do one day, but minus the whole thing where I would freak out and just kind of stare at him and not say anything. Yeah. Kind of, you know, like, like Tanya will understand, like, if, if I were Troy and he was um, LeVar Burton, <laughs> yes, I would totally pull a pre-clone Troy yeah. LeVar Burton thing. What? Why isn't it called Planet Trek? All right, I shouldn't spoil. <laughs> it's, Aaron, you have to watch it just for that. Um, please, please, so you can get these references. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, I guess I didn't mean to cut you off, Carla. If you no, were. no, no. Okay. I'm, I'm done. I've only read the one. I, I now need to read the other one, but I've only read the um, If Chins Could Kill. But that's, like I said, I that was a tough time in my life. But it was really, of course, I'm aware that what I see as a finished product in media is not the process. But for me, I found reading that book really, I liked that he didn't just talk about himself. He talked about the process and the craft. Um Right. And of course, his role and relationship in that. And I really appreciated that because it made it feel like I could understand and appreciate the final product better. It's sorry about that. I got some notification or something. But it's almost like when you have an art class and you learn what the artist was doing, you can you can look at art and sort of have a reaction to it. And that's fine. Actually, I think that's very valid. But sometimes knowing what they were trying to say with that or knowing the references that they were making with a specific piece gives you a different like appreciation on a different level. And I, that's how I honestly felt. This sounds weird to be talking about B movies this way, but that's how I felt (laughs) after reading that film. I was like, Oh yeah. And he, he talked about them bringing basically, you know, just lighting a fire in the film industry in New Zealand and then Lord of the Rings, you know, and all of this. And Mm -hmm he quoted like the number of people that had jobs and, and how much money they brought in. And I was like, Oh my God, yeah, this is a business. You know, this okay. is, this isn't just, you, you know, we see the, the people um, on the screen and we, we maybe know the director. We might think about the writer. Most of us, you know, we don't necessarily think about every person who touched part of that. Right. And it's, I like that he acknowledged that um, like what, what a process it was. And it really, to me, I think of it like my husband works in startups and it's like every film, every TV show is like a startup company where you're just, you know, cranking all the time to get this product done. And then you're moving on to the next one, I guess. So I, I really like that part of it. And I don't, I didn't find it. Um, I didn't want to read celebrity gossip and that's not what it is, you know, because I, so I, just to reassure folks who are like, oh, I was just going to be like, I'm hanging out with Leonardo DiCaprio. And her 
whatever, whatever on his yacht that's run by wind power because he's super cool about the environment. No, I don't know. But like, um, <laughs> making up a, with his 21 year old girlfriend. Sorry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. This is my favorite. I'm going to tell a bad joke about Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, Cause I'm, I, he's fine. Whatever. I don't care. It's, I'm not like a fan, but I remember him. Uh, he has a Prius, right? Like he's like kind of famous. Of, like, yeah. He made him kind of famous. Like, Conscious, and when that story came out shortly afterwards, was some story about him leaving a nightclub with 20 women 20, 2 0, 20 women. And I'm like, Leo, how are you gonna fit all them in your Prius, bud? <laughs> <laughs> How's that gonna happen? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you gotta think these things through, man. All right, that is, if he needs life advice, I'm, I'm here for him. That's probably when he had limo or something else that wasn't necessarily. He probably wasn't thinking about being green. Yeah, yeah, no. Point. He was thinking about he was thinking something else. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, um, well, and you guys have mentioned two of his books, but I want to give a shout out, even though I think If Chins Could Kill is the best one, to How to Make Love the Bruce Campbell Way. Yes, which yes, I yes. had on audiobook that my friend gave me an audio so what that was amazing to listen oh, nice. to and read that book so I want to give a, a shout out to that but I've already raved about how much I love the way he writes um and I think if chins could kill is just absolutely perfect perfect um and I love the way you know like I said he and he says in there he didn't set out to be like a B movie actor he wanted to be a serious actor and he just kind of fell into that role, but he embraces it and he knows how valuable it is and he knows what it's done for his life. Um, and so he's never making fun of that. He's never making fun of the people who are his fans. Uh, he, he loves it. Um, and that's, that can be a rare thing. I think when somebody achieves any level of fame for them to stay real and to stay a person really, you know, sometimes they can get caught up in all of that ooh, I'm so special and perfect kind of thing, you know, and, and um, leave a club with 20 women. And sorry. <laughs> How are you going to do this, Leo? I don't know. Man. <laughs> um, but anyway, but but what I kind of all of a sudden popped in, what popped into my head and what and who he kind of reminds me of, and this actor was also kind of thrown into this, is Robert England. You know, Robert England was a classically trained actor. He was trained in Shakespeare and all this stuff. And then he got this role of Freddy Krueger and that defined his life and defined his career. And he became a horror icon. And instead of running away from that and pushing that away and being like, no, 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 I can't be known for just horror. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a classically trained actor. And when you listen to Robert England talk, he talks like a classically trained actor. He talks like a theater person, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. but he embraced that and he, Loves it. And, you know, I was just watching, and I said this on our last episode, I was just watching the Never Sleep Again, the Nightmare on Elm Street three-and-a-half-hour documentary that's streaming now on Shudder. I highly recommend it if you're into that series. And watching him talk about that, the love he had for this character and for the series of films and for all the other actors he worked with and and how complimentary he was and, and how he never was above them. You know, he never acted like he was above other actors on there. Um, it was really remarkable. And it reminds me a lot of Bruce Campbell. I kind of think they're kind of the same where they didn't set out to be 
this horror icon or this B movie icon or anything like that. And they just felt they fell into it. And instead of, you know, wanting to distance themselves from that, they embraced it because they realized the power in it and the joy they got from it. And yeah, so I just, I just think they're just, that Bruce Campbell is just pretty incredible that way. And I think his writing is amazing. And I, and I don't know if he has, so excuse me if I'm making a mistake here, but I would love to see what he would do with like a screenplay. You know, if he wrote just a full screenplay, because I know he directed uh, My Name is Bruce, but mm-hmm. um, I don't think he did. Did he write that one or no, does anyone know? Or I don't remember. I think he, he, I think he wrote a different movie. I can't I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, I don't remember that if it got made, though. I think it did. Man with the Screaming. screaming. That's the one. Yes. I was like, I think I've seen that. And that was that was weird. But um I will chime in with some celebrity gossip <laughs> after I said I don't like that sort of thing. So here we go. I refuse to watch Nightmare on Elm Street because the concept terrifies me and has for 35 years. Um, but I know who Robert Englund is because I, England, 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 England. Okay. Because he was on a show called V, which I yes. love. Yes. Which also Absolutely. gave nightmares, but I loved. <laughs> Best shows ever. Yes. I love that show. So if we want to go real dorky 80s stuff we can go there but um so I was at Salt Lake Fan X a couple of years ago and I was just chatting with one of the volunteers that um I don't know if if people are aware but when you have big cons like that it's usually volunteers who are sort of handling the celebrities and kind of you know they may bring in a person they may not the celebrity but um the volunteers are kind of managing their lines or or helping get things organized um and I asked a woman once, because I was just chatting with her, I was like, so who has been your favorite person to work with um, as a celebrity? Who's, who's been, you know, you don't, if you don't want to tell me dirt, you don't have to, but like, who's, <laughs> give me the dirt. No. Who's been your, and of course I asked something positive because, you know, I'm trying to be not an asshole. Um, and she said, Robert en- Englund. Um, he's just, she said, he is the sweetest nicest most genuine human that she you know so she had nothing but just glowing things to say about him and I was like oh cool all right that's good that's nice to hear that you know yeah yeah that doesn't that doesn't surprise me yeah Mm because I I'm I'm a huge fan of his just because I think he's so great at playing that character and he's not when you look at him outside of the makeup he's not someone you would instantly think is going to be this scary, terrifying character. And I mean, his character in V is the complete opposite, you know? Yeah. So it's just, yeah. So it's just interesting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Went off on a little Robert England tangent there. I actually have him <laughs> down on my list of future episodes because I think he's another one that, that is an icon. That is a really good person to talk about. So we'll have to do that. We're going to do that someday. Um, <laughs> Okay, well, to kind of wrap things up as far as with Bruce Campbell goes, um, he has such a lasting impact on film, media, the world. (laughs) I mean, I guess maybe that's kind of being too broad, but I think in a way he has this lasting impact on things. I think even people who've never seen an Evil Dead movie know probably who he is, Um, or even if they haven't even seen a single movie he's been in, um, which I kind of... I find kind of hard to believe, but you know, I think people know who he is. So Carla, what do you think about his lasting impact? I think, you know, yeah, you you can separate him from the evil dead franchise, but I think that you wouldn't have an evil dead franchise 
necessarily without him because you know you can have a, a good story good direction all of these things but if you don't have a compelling lead mm-hmm. things can fall apart very easily um and I, I i really think that it was just one of those like magical moments where you have all of these creative people in the right place together and they were able to collaborate um and bring something that changed uh the way that that horror movies are made and that uh you know brought in some new techniques out of necessity um because of their budget and also uh new ways of for an audience to look at what can be enjoyable where you don't necessarily have to have something be quote unquote good for it to be good Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of that is due to Bruce Campbell's charisma and his, um, he, he's just a very magnetic person. You can, you can definitely feel it when you're watching him do pretty much anything. He, he's very watchable. He's very enjoyable. So many of his characters would not be as beloved if they were played by somebody else, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, because he, he does have this uh he, he, like um a niche mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. acting style where he portrays a lot of like total jerks who could be very easily detested but he's just a charming guy and, and you can see like underneath that veneer of of ew douchey guy that maybe he's not a terrible person so you're drawn to these characters that um, might otherwise be easy to be like, okay, I'm not watching this crap anymore, which is how I feel about his characters on um, on Burn Notice and on um, like the the Evil Dead movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, as far as what I think he has contributed is himself. Like he he has opened up doors for good guy actors who are just good people putting their all into a performance and bringing you know joy to the masses by uh being good underneath it all it's really it's late at night and i'm not thinking very well but (laughs) (laughs) but i think you can kind of get where i'm going with it that Mm -hmm. that he just seems like a genuinely good person to whom good things have happened because he's a good person. Um, and you certainly don't need to be a diva to succeed. And I think he, he exemplifies somebody who's not a diva and has made a, a, a solid career for himself and is beloved by many because of that. Even with his persona on stage in, um, in cons, you can see through that and you can see that, that that he is letting you see through that. I I think he's just fantastic, and and he he's really a um, a credit, I guess, to the fine people of Michigan um, mm. high schools in the seventies. <laughs> and Tanya, so his his impact, yeah. I mean, it's I think it's difficult to um, overstate it really on on fandom in general and fan culture. I think it's very important to consider him and his collaborations with, with Raimi and Tappert. And, you know, it's, um, 
It's really interesting. I, I remember reading, I'm going to kind of diverge, but I promise it's relevant. This article about um, Jensen Ackles of Supernatural and part of why his performance is so good is because when an actor is really, um, you know, fully into a role there in, in comedic acting, especially they're having a conversation with themselves, I guess is how it's described. Like they're sort of having, they're reacting and they're like having this conversation with themselves. And I think Bruce Campbell very much does that. He's, you can, and you can see it because of his expression, right? Yes. You're like, oh, I understand where you're going. And so he, I think to me, what's really interesting about him is he very much could have been, I think, a leading man, um, an A-list. You know, I, I really think that could have been um, that pathway, but to see what they've done with, with what they've, what they've had is, is quite amazing. Um, but that whole conversation with yourself and um, also with the audience at the same time, I think he's a master of that. Uh, and just, and just knowing how to um, interact with fan, fans and fandom and fan culture uh, and move that forward. I think that's, I think he's also excellent at um, getting great performances out of his co-stars. Uh, if you think about, I know you, neither of you are, I think are as quite as familiar with Xena um, as I am, but also I did watch some of Ash versus the Evil Dead um, and I, it's too gory for me. I can't, I can't do it, even though it's real fake. It's real, real fake. And I, I get that. I just, and I actually think it was good. I think they did a really good job adapting that to a series and he's great in it. And Lucy's amazing and, and everybody, but everybody around him is, is wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I think like getting those roles out of your co-stars and, you know, showing up for two minutes in Spider-Man and stealing the movie, you know, that's yeah. so taking that, kind of charisma and making comedic charismatic acting right into sort of your job for 40 years or whatever. It's, it's impressive. I, I don't think we would have um, some of the genre work we have now. Like I, I do see a lot of what Jensen Ackles does. You know, I can trace that to Bruce Campbell, if you will, like some of the goofier stuff that they've done on mm -hmm. Supernatural, you know, so for sure. Yeah, yeah, he's he's um, had a profound impact on on everything. I, I'm not everything, but you know, a, a lot of aspects of the entertainment industry and movies in general, and um, and you know what what I think is amazing about him is is new generations discover him all the time. So his legend will last over and over again. And, and, and um, you know, it's every generation will have a group of people that adore Bruce Campbell or fall in love with, or discover Ash Williams or, you know, or, or discover uh, Briscoe County junior, that kind of stuff. So he's got a, a lasting effect. I think it's something that will never go away. Uh, it's timeless what he's done and what his um, career has been. And I think it's really great, actually, that he fell into this B-movie thing um, because I think he's added um, – that's the word I'm looking – some – not necessarily authenticity, but he's added um, uh, some legitimacy in a way to something that, unfortunately, people didn't think was kind of a legitimate thing, a legitimate genre – and I think the way that he's embraced it and how big he's become and how much he's admired and how much he admires other people 
uh, and how much it shows that he really, really takes what he's doing seriously. Yeah, he's doing camp and he's being comedic, but, you know, doing comedy as an actor is the hardest thing in the world. It's mm-hmm. harder than being dramatic. I mean, it's harder than that. I mean, doing like I I used to do improv all the time and doing improv is a whole other level. You know, you have to be thinking on your feet. You have to be quick. Um, and you can't always be necessarily going for the laugh. You have to be going for realism. And that's where the laughter will be found. Mm-hmm. Um, and, e- and even when you're doing something that is not realistic, you still have to find that realism there. And I think he does that. And I think that's why it works so well. Um, is, you know, like Carla, like you said, really early on, there's heart to it and there's heart to everything he does. Even if he's playing a sleazy guy, there's still heart there. So, and that's, that's a very rare find. So yeah, so he's, he's a treasure. Um, and I can't wait to see what he continues to do. Um, if you aren't following him on Twitter, he's doing a bunch of, uh, he's discovered Snapchat, and so he's doing all these various <laughs> different little Snapchats. I don't know if you've seen them all. He just recently, the last one he did was he was doing Willie Nelson, um, was one of the last ones I saw. So he's he's just, yeah, he's kind of gotten addicted to that. <laughs> so it's really interesting to watch. So I highly recommend following him on Twitter if you don't already and seeing his little Snapchats. Because I think that's what he's doing because I know it's not Twitch. I know it's, or not, whatever the other one is. <laughs> TikTok, yeah. Thank TikTok. you, thank you. That's what I was trying to think of. Thank you. Um, yeah, but but he's he's great. He's wonderful, and I can't wait to see if he writes another book. I think he has, or he's going to. So I just can't see what he, I can't wait to see what he does next. So, okay, well, we're gonna wrap up there. We could do um, other episodes, and we probably will in the future, just focusing on different aspects of things he's done, like just a whole episode on Evil Dead, all that stuff. And we are gonna be doing a Xena episode later on this year. Okay. Is gonna be on that one. <laughs> And Tanya will definitely be on that one. So, great. So, why don't we close out and just everybody can tell the listeners where they can be found on social media. And if you have anything you want to plug, start with you, Carla. You can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Just look for Carla Temis. It's C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S. And you can see my photography and probably just me... uh, retweeting funny things that I find because that's my thing now. Um, (laughs) And also just real quick, I just want to give a shout out to my friend Bill once again, because first of all, for an awesome 22 years of friendship and for introducing me to so many fun things that I would never have thought to watch on my own. (laughs) Yay. Shout out to Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. And Tanya. Hi, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at um, A, capital A, capital K, nerd fighting, like always keep nerd fighting our research project that I work on. Um, And I'm also um, on the Facebook, but that's kind of more personal and me just talking about Deep Space Nine. I don't know, (laughs) Star Trek, lots of Star Trek and random. Also, I want to plug um, not getting the shingles. Like I would, yes. I'm gonna say oh don't do that because I did that apparently. Because <laughs> I'm like, what? What? I have to get adult chicken pox during this business. Um, so I'm doing much better. But yeah, other than that, you can check out our our blog on Medium. Um, we actually write semi intelligently about various geek things, and I don't just ramble about shingles, shingles, and how many. <laughs> I'm just picturing all the women in his Prius and Leo's Prius now, like a like a car <laughs> at the circus. Like, <laughs> okay, anyway. 
right, anyway, I'll leave you with that visual. <laughs> well, and we'll have to link because we because we'll link for Carla's website, but we'll have to link for that as well. So you okay, can send me the link and I'll put in the show notes. Um, and this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at eAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. Um, and if you want to give any shout outs to some Bruce Campbell stuff we missed or any, if you have any kind of feedback, feel free to email the show at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And next week, we are going to be starting our month-long episode celebrating Pride. The first week, we're going to be doing a show on Will and Grace. And I'm excited because on that one, we're going to have somebody on from Australia. So, at that, And they're in Australia now, in Sydney. So that'll be really cool to have someone from another country on the show. So I'm excited about that. And then we're going to be talking about my all-time favorite show, Queer as Folk. So that will be very, very interesting listening to me in that one. Um, I will, I will have some critiques, critiques of it though, because every show has critiques. Um, and then I also want to just quickly say, um, again, I'm going to pose out to, I'm going to throw this out there to the listeners. If you are in the LGBTQ plus community and you would like to be on a podcast episode, this is, I mean, I'm very laid back. This is very laid back. Don't feel, you know, like this will be some weird pressure cooker thing. Um, Feel free to reach out to me via Facebook is probably the best way to do that. And I'll just quickly uh, give a rundown. Sorry, guys, I just want to just throw this out here really quickly of the shows that we're still looking for extra people on. We have people on them, but extra people on. We're doing the L word. Um, We'll be recording that the weekend of June 6th. And on that weekend, we're also going to be recording an episode about queer baiting. Um, And then the following weekend, we're going to be doing an episode on the show Pose. Um, And then we have another episode that week, too, but that one's full. Um, And then the week after that, we're doing Sense8. Um, And so if you want, if you're interested in any of those, there is room available. So feel free to reach out to me and we can discuss that. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing and be groovy, everybody. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.